John. It's a brace. <laughs> <laughs> we are here again. Um, the first thing I, I you know I want to say is why did you want to have this conversation with me? I think we had one before that was um like I personally got a lot of feedback on like how insightful it was about the Barnet League and like my general sort of opinion. Um that was on like your your channel that was like a bit of a live stream one. Uh but obviously it became a bit multiple choice from from people that came in and asked questions. Um so yeah, I suppose it was more just to you know, obviously talk about the league. We've we've launched vets, which obviously falls right into your catchment. Um, so yeah, just to like you know, like I've I've been approached about doing other podcasts in 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 the past and stuff, but never really uh, got around to doing it for one reason or another. Um, and then obviously we've been going back and forth for like six months now. So I was just like, listen, book a studio and tell me where to be. And that's exactly what you did. So yeah. fair play. Here we are. Yeah. No, you know, I've um, got a shout you out because you've been actively DMing me. <laughs> so, and you know, um, you are one of the few people who are, who are actively in the space, who are actually in the mud. I've actually called you like the grassroots, uh, you know, Eddie Hearn. I, I don't know about that. I wish, no. I, had, I wish I had his money, but yeah. Um, and like, like cr credit to you as well. Like I, I think there's a lot of platforms out there that are just about, you know that everyone's got their own niche, but some of them, some of them are probably a bit more clickbaity than others. Mm. So I, I trust having the conversation with you and probably a select few out there as well. But um, yeah, mainly just like I said, mainly just to talk about the league and like, I mean, we do some great stuff, you know, and I, I, I don't think it necessarily gets the recognition at grassroots level or even at like county FA or FA level. So you know, to sort of raise a bit of awareness about some of the good stuff the league's done you know who better to have a conversation with <laughs> <laughs> so um why like, do you think you are known as a disruptor in 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 grassroots and why do you think people dislike you me personally i don't know it's nothing 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 to not like, like listen at the, at the end of the day football's football um the side of me that people don't see is look listen i've got three kids i've got a a long-term partner that I've been with for years that puts up with, you know, Sophie, she, she puts up with a hell of a lot when it comes to this, this grassroots malarkey. Um, cause it takes up a lot of your time, but those people that know me, um, will, 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 I hope attest to the fact that, you know, I ain't like a, I ain't like a nasty person. I ain't got like a, I don't hold grudges and, you know, I'm not out to get people. I just love what I do in the sense of, um, in a sense of being involved in grassroots and, you know, running one of the, well, running the largest league in North London and, you know, facilitating football for, you know, I think it's over 4,000 registered players we've got at the minute. Um, I know you're big on your mental health. Like a, a couple of years ago, I was going through a bit of a rough time, mm. um, various things going on in my personal life. And I put up, I put up something on Instagram, put up a story and I had a, um, I had a club, obviously people follow you over the years and whatever. I had a club reach out and say, it was something, I can't, word for word, I can't remember what it said, but it was something along the lines of, thank you for providing, you know, grassroots football to, you know, over X amount of people on a Sunday morning, allowing us the opportunity to basically get ourselves in a, a good headspace and, and, and create memories with our friends. And that really put it in perspective for me, you know, like I'd never really looked at it like that before. I was just like, oh, I'm a league secretary of a league. But that, you know, that 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 
that was one of the biggest compliments I've ever had. That was in terms of like recognition, you know, I get like um, tongue in cheek ones from you, like the, the, the grassroots Eddie Hearn, but like stuff like that, it, it, it goes a long way. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think, think disruptor is the right word. I think I enjoy what I do. I put a lot of time and energy and effort into it. Um, and naturally along the way, people are going to form an opinion of you. Um, but those people that know me know the, know, know the truth and those people that don't, they're entitled to their opinion. That's the way I see it. So yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever actually been called a disruptor, but people must've said that to you. Yeah. Well, no, well, <laughs> well, you know, because, um, and I'm saying a disruptor in a, in a kind of positive light, right? You know, someone who kind of wants to create something new, almost like a trailblazer, in, yeah. you know, like in certain things. So literally, I'm not saying a disruptor in a negative uh, connotation. Right, I thought it was negative. No, 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 no. It was no, coming no. after me. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, look, listen, I think, like, just some examples, like, of the league. Like, for example, we used to, when I first joined the league, like, as a player, like, I'm talking, like, 2012, maybe, I used to run my own team over Hackney Marshes. I folded by Christmas. Um, a friend of mine basically said, look, listen, why don't you come and play for, you know, Highgate, which I did. Turn up, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a neek when it comes to stats. Like I remember making my debut in a double header in a, <laughs> in a, on a cold, wet January against a team called AC Finchley, um, where a guy called Anthony Mansi was playing, who now runs AC Finchley. Like so all these years later, he's running the club and I'm the league secretary. Um, and yeah, like that's obviously how I got into the Barnet League. And then obviously I, you know, on and off for about eight years, I played, well, longer than that. I played for Highgate Albion for, for a while, either managed a team or played played for a team called Barnet Hearts in the league as well. And I've also been signed to a team called Camden Town Athletic and Camden Lock over the last couple of years since leaving Highgate. Um, obviously didn't really have anything to do with grassroots football because I went off and worked abroad and stuff. Um, but yeah, like... It, it, I, I enjoy the league, and I've, I, I think there's been some of the some of the some of the referees that are you know obviously naturally I'm a committee member now. Some of the referees that used to referee me in my early days, we have a bit of a, a rapport about you know the very different John Eager to what I was then to what I what I am now sort of thing. And um, yeah, like I, if you'd asked me five six years ago, oh, do you think you'd be the league secretary? I would have laughed. I would. I, I literally only joined the committee to help out with the social media. It was non-existent. That was why I initially got involved. Um, and it's come on leaps and bounds to the point where we've got someone else that basically, uh, a guy called Ilias that does a really good job, films all of our games and stuff. Um, so now I sort of just do more like the admin sort of stuff, the fixtures, helping out of referee appointments, et cetera, et cetera. So, so yeah, that's a bit, that's, that's a bit of a, a backstory about mm. like, of how I got involved in the league, I suppose. Mm. Mm. And, uh, do you like still play now? No, like I did. I, I'm signed to a team called Camden Lock at the minute. Mm. Um, I've played two games all season. Uh, appalling! That's but, appalling. But I, I, I did my MCL in. Uh, yeah, see, right. I did my MCL in October, and I've only like I'm. I'm not having surgery or anything. I've literally only just started playing five aside again and stuff. So, um, and let's absolutely set the record straight. I am not a very good footballer. So, <laughs> uh, as I'm constantly reminded by like some of my pals, you know, like, you know, stick to what you know, sort of thing, like the admin sort of thing. But yeah, that's essentially how I got involved in the league. Like obviously everything snowballs really. Like if, if it weren't for a phone call from a friend of mine called, you know, JP, who sort of said, oh, like come play for us, come play with us. 
went over, played. Um, obviously, then ended up joining the committee of social media, like 2019 odd. Then obviously ended up becoming league secretary during COVID, and then just from there, sort of, you know, been involved in the league, I suppose. Because we met at one of Graham's finals. yeah south and sunday yeah, at Col- sunday at collier's woods collier's woods yeah um yeah that's where we met for the first time and i like, like i said like I've, I've you know there's some there's some great people involved in grassroots um obviously jace verillo from westfart and graham from south and sunday like i've got a really good relationship with them guys and they've like been league secretaries for like 10 10 odd years so like i lean on them for a lot of support especially coming out of covid mm. like graham took the time to have like a teams call with me and like we went went over a few things and um I've like borrowed quite a few of their ideas. You know, like our league only ever used to have like two cups, like in the whole league. And now we um now we've got like divisional cups and main cups. So we've sort of like expanded things. Um and that goes back to my point. Like when I first started playing in the in the league, that was I think there was only three divisions. Um and now we're at and now we're at eight and two vets. So like it's been a massive, you know, like expansion sort of of the league, like like um, generic sort of growth. Um, there's like us, the Maccabi League, uh, the Turkish League, and the Edmonton League in North London. Um, so there's only really four leagues, and but obviously we we cover a greater catchment area than the others. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think leaning on people for for advice and guidance, and that's why I went down to that cup final, the one where we, you know, where um, where we met. Like I went down to see how Graham runs his cup finals, borrowed a load of ideas, um, and implemented them. You know, and I, th- I think I think I think it's that that best practice piece. You go in a restaurant, you like the service, you go back. So if you can, you know, replicate that and. Um, and sort of create a memorable experience for for teams, players, officials, etc., referees. You know, like as a league, we're one of the only ones in the country that films games. I think I counted. We, you know, last year we did sixty-one odd. You know, uh, I think I think on total we filmed over two hundred and forty grassroots games. It was it was you know really well done. So we added commentary after a year of doing it. Um, but that's not just like the players obviously get a great memory out of that. The winning team gets a great memory out of it, but. Like in terms of like when we talk about grassroots referee development, we've got referees that they like having their games filmed neutrally by a league with neutral commentary, um, so that and then they can watch back their performance and sort of like you know I I know examples speaking to um, some people that it's been used in like development group chats at county FA level and stuff like that, which is good because obviously you post the clip, you go we see it all the time now. Is this a red? Is this a yellow? I think you've posted some up before. And you get that engagement of because it's an opinion, but the referee on the day has has the opportunity to watch it back and see what it's like in a neutral uh, light. So, yeah, that's you, you know, just, I think it's about I think best practice is key. Yeah. So, what do you think about the state and the level of refereeing at Saturday and Sunday league level? I I have absolutely no knowledge of Saturday league level. I'm not going to lie. So. I can't really answer that. But Sunday league level, I think we as a league have been proactive. So we fund referee courses. So if you um, if you do, I think it's five or ten games, we will reimburse you for your uh, fee. Mm. But we've seen some great... We've had some great referees come through our league in, in recent years. You know, excuse me. 
just to give some of like some some of the like Dimitri Anastasia mm-hmm. runs a channel yeah. called Ref Re- World. Yeah. A real great that. a real great insight into refereeing, you know, whether it's testing equipment or um or like the day-to-day like sort of stuff of like what you put in your bag and you know, we've got people like that that I, f- I think refereeing's you know, it's never going to be the most glamorous role in the world, but we've got people like him that are shining a spotlight on the positives of it and you know, we've got other referees like Anthony Brown and um young up and coming refs that have you know that are now refereeing on like a the, the the panel of these little midweek league which is like a select invite only league for promotion candidates um so i i think i think listen naturally you're gonna you, there's there's always going to be a difference in opinion i think the hardest thing about refereeing at grassroots is very rarely do you have linos or assistants so it's, it's you know I, I was talking to anthony brown uh he was on um he was being assessed by an assessor and he asked for assistance because we'd had a few games called off and if they were available could they do it so we put the put the assistance on the game and uh he was he was explaining to me that and I didn't really realize this from a referee perspective but he he was explaining to me that you can he could run a certain way like do diagonal runs and 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 be smart with where his positioning was on the pitch because he had linos or assistant referees to sort of help him out you know where, rather than having to sort of judge it himself and I never you know and I think that's the sort of stuff that gets underlooked it's a t- it's a tough gig listen there's a, there's some great referees out there there's some not so great jobs but you know like I I read a lot of the stuff that um Ref Support UK put out there Martin Cassidy and it, you know have a go at it if you're gonna have an opinion on it be brave enough to go and do the course pick up a whistle and and and, and go out there and referee a Sunday league match you know there's that um there's that clip they did on Sky Sports with uh, with Carragher and Neville doing like yes, doing like it. doing like this, and it, it you know even that proved that it's not you know they talk about it week in week out. It's not as easy as it looks. And listen, I went and did the course. You know, I referee when we're short. It ain't fun. It ain't, it ain't it ain't enjoyable. You don't like it, Al? Nah, it's, it's like if, if we're short, like for example, had a team of ours that. Um, the referee no showed for no reason, for some reason, sorry. And he rang me up and he said, oh, we like knew I was local in North London because where my parents live. And he said, will you come and referee a game? Like, will you come and do my Middlesex Premier Cup round one game or whatever? And I was like, not really. So, but, 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 but I turned up and I did it. And to be fair, this geezer, I've known him a very long time now. And I'm not like, I'm, I'm no great ref. It's a tough gig. And he basically turned around and said to me like I was one of the best refs he's had all year purely because I kept up with play I communicated my decisions and if I got it wrong I admitted it and I think it's just that element of accountability but like, I, th- I think refereeing's in a in a in a good place you know I'll, I'll criticize the county FAs more than more than most because obviously from a league secretary point of view you you probably encounter the, the you know the the mechanisms of, of grassroots more than most but in in our patch in North London, so Middlesex, AFA, and London, they do like these. I don't know if not to call them sessions or um, I don't know the, the correct word for them, but they basically put together like a referee evening and they have like a special guest. So they had Howard Webb not long ago, um, and they do stuff like that. I think it's called a master. I think they call mastermind. it mastermind yeah. or something yeah. like that. And I think that's good. They, like it's, it's it's giving the referees you know a chance. Um, and our, our league in terms of, because of people like Dimitri, like sort of refs world doing stuff like that. And the fact we film games, you know, I'm, I'm very good friends with a Premier League assistant referee. He runs a league up in Barnsley, um, Scott Ledger. He came down and uh, watched one of our like sort of championship games 
where it was a title decider. And he, 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 he met the officials beforehand, Premier League referee, the Crystal Palace Arsenal the day before, mm. or Arsenal Crystal Palace, should I say, it was at the Emirates. And then he's at Enfield playing fields the next day, like get, speak, taking the time to speak to, you know, one of the referees is 16, 17, Jaron. And he took the time to talk to him, give him a bit of, Dimitri was on the game, had a chat with him. We had the other assistant, Oliver, because obviously we had some, because that was a main game. We made sure we had some assistance on it. And I wasn't sure if he was going to come, so I didn't tell the guys. And then they had, he had a chat with him before and after. And, you know, he was really impressed with the, the standard of football, the standard of officiating. So, yeah, in short, it's no easy gig. You're going to get, you're going to get the good, you're going to get the bad, you're going to get the ugly. But unless you're brave enough to pick up the whistle, I don't really think you can have an opinion on it. And it's, 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 it's very easy. Like I refereed a game that was on VO and it was like, 14-2 or something like that. It was a ridiculous scoreline. The manager of one of the teams has actually become a good friend of mine. And uh, he sent me back some of the clips. And I'd, I'd made a couple... In a 14-2 game, I think like at like 10-2, I was like, I want to go home now. This is, <laughs> it's, it's raining. Um, <laughs> but he, but he, sent me, he sent me some clips and I was like, nah, that weren't offside. Like, I'm calling offside, like, you know, because you're making a judgment. You, you haven't got club assistance because you you know you made that decision so you're calling the line yourself and wow. he's as miles on um so that's that's another thing some refs they they either want the club assistance or they don't i think sometimes they can cause more hassle than they're worth because some teams will naturally just pick up the flag and just sort of um start flagging offside for everything so yeah it ain't easy and i think everything looks a bit worse on camera mm. you know yeah, people, so, people like you go out there with your camera and you you, you you catch some shockers and the next thing you know the referee's under the cosh having to exp- he just turned up to referee a game at, at grassroots level but you know what like the strangest thing because I don't know if you know that I'm a ref yeah I knew you were qualified yeah, yeah quite so literally and uh, I enjoy it yeah because I still play and and again I think it's more common sense than anything else yeah, yeah of course you know players just as you said before it's, it's communication's key like good decision bad decision they still want you as a referee as an official to actually explain and literally not to have like a mother's meeting but you know again just explain why you've i think that's the most i think i think that's most most referees that i've encountered like just just put up this like hostile barrier for some reason like i i think i think some have played the game and some haven't and those like dimitri for example that i don't want to keep shouting him out but he's played the game like he's yeah. won the london cup and then he's decided for whatever reason that he wants to go into refereeing we've got an ex- another example a guy called, guy called chris uh Ethereo. he's he used to run a team called brotherhood in our league he went and done the referee course the while we were still managing last year knowing the team was going to fold at the end of the year and uh he's absolutely like he, he's smashing it like but i think because he's because he's played the game and he's managed he knows how to he knows how to communicate with people he knows how to, you know, he knows it from 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 both perspectives sort of thing. Um, and I think that's key. There aren't enough players that go, are going into refereeing now. Um, and, and and I think that's that's definitely like a, a barrier that needs to be broken down. Yeah. Like, I think there's been ideas before about, like, academy players doing the referee course and going refereeing because it's a bit like, you know, I used to work in hospitality. Right, I always say to people, everyone should do at least mm. one shift behind a bar and, a, on a busy New Year's Eve. And then you'll yeah. you appreciate when you're, when, when you're getting the clicking fingers and you know, like everything's going wrong and you know, people slower drinks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's the way I, I, I look at refereeing now. Everyone should have a go. Like, I've done it. I've done 
I, you know, I've done like 18 games. I've only ever done the Barnet League. I've helped out on Saturdays. I've got absolutely no interest in going through the motions of, you know, actually doing it. Um, but I'll, 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 I'm qualified and I'll always, I'll always be there as a filler gap for it. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's a tough gig. Mm. It's, a t- it's a real tough gig. Mm. Mm. I remember a friend of mine, Dario, when the league was expanding, he was the referee secretary and he, uh, he basically, him and Jamal at a cup final, Jamal Horn from London FA, I basically said, oh, how hard can it be? And Jamal went, do the course. <laughs> and I was like, all right then. So I went and done the course yeah. under Jamal, you know, but, uh, and I remember refereeing my first game and I was like, mate, this ain't easy. But Dario said, like Dario made a valid point at the time. He said, there ain't enough that, you know, it's all well and good growing the league, but we ain't got enough refs. Enough and refs. I'm like, that's the thing. True. So, like, as a league, we accommodated, started doing afternoon kickoffs mm. and stuff like that. And I think we were one of the first leagues to, you know, in North London at least, to start looking at, well, how can we, you know, there's a gap in the market here. Let's let's sort of do some afternoon kickoffs and we can mm. double up on the refs and it solves a problem. But tough gig. No, 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 like you, if you stood in at final whistle, if you stood in front of, if you went in both teams' changing rooms and you said to you said to him, right, we're going to do a referee course right now. I'd be interested to see how many people in both changing rooms, management and coaching and players, would turn around and go, yeah, I'll go and do the course. Because I'd, be, I'd bet it'd be a very slim, <laughs> very slim. Would you be prepared to raise the referee's fee? We did. So I think I think this is where a lot of leagues are frustrated with referees. So we went from, I think it was, we went from 35 to 40 three years ago. And then we went from 40 to 50 two years ago. So we've, you know, I think the, the referee fee was £35 for about eight, nine, ten years. And then we've, we've, you know, moved it along quite quickly. But I think the problem is that there are the pocket money ones out there that they just want to turn up, do two games, get some easy money and go home. And then they don't do their admin or their compliance or care enough about the refereeing element of it, which is frustrating and disappointing because... You know, we've obviously increased the fee to attract better quality officials. And then you've got some referees that are like, well, I'm not going there. I'm like, but you're getting paid an extra £10 to help out with, you know, cost of living, travel, et cetera, et cetera. So get a bus 35 minutes up the road to referee a game. Some of them just want it easy and on their, their doorstep. Um, so, yeah, like I, 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 we've raised the fee already. I don't think I think it, I don't think it'd be fair on the clubs if you raised it any more than 50. Because I think, you know, they've got clubs have got rising costs, you know, league fees, pitch costs, okay. affiliation, sanctioning. So, you know, we've we've made we've made that jump, you know, with the um with the referee fee already. Um so yeah, I I, I can't envision us going much higher. Okay. You know, like um I, I, yeah, it's twenty five pounds per team. Okay. You know, they split the cost on the day. So mm. so yeah, that's something we've already looked at. Okay. You've um briefly spoken about the the uh, Barnet League, eight divisions, yeah, uh, two vets, yeah, um, east and west. I-, I would like love to get your opinion why the Barnet League is different from any other league across London. Well, I'll give you an example, right? I I, th- I think I, t- I touched upon it earlier. Like I- I- last season, I went and visit. I went to the SFL playoff final. Mm. Which, uh, Bromley. And it's something that we will definitely talk about later on. So I went there. Uh, I went to a Salvin Sunday final at uh, Met Police. Mm-hmm. I went to a Westford final, um, which was at VCD. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I run my own cup finals. I went to the London Cup final. 
because of Highgate and Olympia being in the final. And I went to the Middlesex final because of uh, heavy hitters and Highgate being in the final. Um, so like I, I, w- I went, I had a look at how people did things and I, I learned from it. Like, for example, the playoff concept from the SFL, we've introduced to the vets. So you finish in the top four and you go into like a Super Bowl sort of Eastern Western. So you can win your league. And then obviously we've got the Vets Cup, but then you've there's an incentive to go into the playoffs and basically like finish on the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. We've called it the Veterans Playoffs, but there's obviously scope for the name to change and stuff like that. And like it goes back to that best practice piece. I think, you know, like listen to what the clubs are telling you, like, you know, understand what they want, you know, give them value for money, give them the give them the opportunity to, you know, with te- with with eight open age divisions and two vets divisions. Ultimately, you're only going to get 10 divisional winners that are going to win the league out of all them teams. So when you have cups, it opens it up to sort of everyone having the opportunity to win something. And ultimately, listen, it's it's all in good saying taking part counts and all of that. Um, But people want to win. They want to have a trophy. They want to have that day out. And I say this time and time again to the, the committee, I say, I do not care who wins the league. It does not bother me in the slightest. You know, it's... It's the cup final day. It's the big day out when you see, you know, see someone walking out with their kids or having the photo with their missus and, and their kids at the end. Or, you know, um, we had an example last year where uh, we had f- uh, three brothers and a da- the dad was the manager and his three sons, sorry, that were involved in a cup final that won. We got a photo of them at the end. The, commit- the, the, the chairman of the club that has been going for 30 years, you know, holding a trophy, all of that sort of stuff. And I think over the years we've, you know, picked up some good stuff. You know, we, we get some we get some great medals from Chesant Trophies in Trezent. Um, We started being a bit more brand orientated with like banners and stuff like that. We, we, we do a fair bit of recognition, you know, player of the year, manager of the year, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, um, normally chosen by the committee, but we, we've sort of put some things on the table. That's that's new the last three years. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, it's just that recognition piece and just, you know, like being active on the socials. Like we've started, you know, I mean, I miss Mitu for those those people out there. That you know, <laughs> yeah, that's I, back I, in the day. I think Mitu, Mitu was quality, but full-time certainly has helped be able to track, you know, I think we've got five active players that have scored over 100 goals in the Barnet League. And they get like a massive golden boot with 100, 100 goals on it. Um, so we've got like Garrow Heath just joined the 100 club. He plays for Armenian Youth, scored 100 goals in three or four seasons. Aaron Madison plays for Whetstone FC. He's done it. Elliot McGovern's done it. Um, got Godfrey Burko, who um, he scored over 200. He's been with the league since 2009. So we went through and looked at Mitu stats and combined them all and worked out that he'd scored over 200 because... Obviously, back in the day, no one really updated Mitu and stuff like that. But what was around was Facebook and Twitter. So we trawled through the old club's Twitter and Facebook accounts, added it all up. Um, and then, yeah, like we've got Alan Callahan, Callahan that's just, you know, he's scored over 100 goals in the Barnet League, scored 50 in all competitions for Highgate Freeze last year. So they get a big, massive golden boot. Um, and it's, it's it, you know, listen, the likelihood is that be on the shelf for a few years and then end up in a loft and then in 30 years, 40 years' time, it's it's nice memorabilia, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it. I, I think it's just about creating, you know. Um, I used to work for a, a a bar group, and they had this thing called Ace, and it was amazing customer experience. 
And I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think that's what the clubs are. Like, as much as they are your clubs, they're your customers as well. They're the ones paying their league fees. They, you know, they pay their fines when they make a mistake and they get fined rightfully so for not keeping up with their admin. That money that goes into them fines should go back into doing something for them. Mm. A few years ago, we bought everyone some first aid kits. So yeah, I, I just think it's, um, I think that's, I think that's a crucial part of it. You know, and we do a lot of shout outs on Instagram when people scored the hundred goals and stuff like that. So yeah. You um, talk about social media and, and again, you are, you are, <clears throat> sorry, very active regarding putting out the Bannock League on socials. And one thing I have to say, <laughs> we, I absolutely love the production of your videos for the Bannock League. I honestly like, you know, and again, it's, it's like not just the video production, it's the commentary. Yeah. It you know it just adds a different spice to it. Yeah, I, th I think it's something different to what's not been done before. So like we don't really go down like the the sort of clickbaity sort of titles and stuff like that. We try and keep it a bit more professional. But we've got a guy called um, Ilias Beladad <coughs> who does a, a fantastic job. Um, he's basically done most of our social most of our um, content since probably you know, maybe the middle of the first season we were doing it. Films all the cup finals, does all the does all the cheat sheets for the commentators. You know, we're very fortunate that um Barry Swain from Talksport bought into the bought into the league and um he, he does the the majority of our commentary. And that goes back to like what we were saying earlier, like um uh as 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 like a committee member, like I try and like when teams are in middle Middlesex or London or whatever finals, I try and go and watch them wherever. I followed Highgate Albion all the way up to um Solly Hall Moors for the semi-final against Mayfair two years ago, the year they reached the final. And I remember arriving late, I had my um I had my partner and my two kids with me at the time, and we were late and it was like we got there and I said to the geezer, what's the score? And it, they were like two nil down or something in the in the first fifteen minutes, right? Watching the game two 0 it's a long way to go, Birmingham, to, to watch watch you know, obviously I've had connections to Highgate and obviously they're a team in my league. Um but then obviously I've known the captain Ian Maitland since, you know, since I was nineteen. I went on tour with Highgate to Holland. Um so I've I've had a long term relationship with him, like known him known him my vast majority of my adult life. Anyway, he pops up with a 90, I don't know if you've ever seen the clip, he pops up with a 95th minute winner to win 3-2. But the, but you know what makes it? Exactly what you just said, the commentary. Barry Swain from TalkSport, you know, that that game was an unbelievable game of football. You know, to, to come back from 2-0 down in a national semi-final and win 3-2 was incredible. But we're very fortunate that, you know, we've got a pool of commentators that, you, you know, sort of tap into it and... Like I said, the refs love it because it's neutral. You know, it's not like um, some of the some of the uh, like YouTube stuff out there where they sort of dig the referees out. I suppose it's just how they would say it on TV. It's a bit like that might have been that might have been a red, but the referee's gone for a yellow, and it's very you know it's very subjective mm. and very neutral, so it doesn't sort of throw them under the bus, I suppose. And that's something that's been in place for the last couple of years, um, which is good. You know, it, and and listen, I'm. I, I played for a team called Camden Town Athletic in a semi-final. We lost quite badly. But like even me, I got a bit of a buzz out of, you know, the, the my name being read out in the in the game that was filmed and, you know, I, 
for some people, that's never going to happen. This is why, going back to the cup finals, I throw everything into making them, alongside the rest of the committee, I throw everything into making them as good as possible. Because some of the grounds we use, like we've used Wingate and Finchley, uh, Harringay Borough, Cockfosters, um, Hendon, some, some decent Isthmian grounds. Potter's Bar is the main one we use. But some of these players, these average sort of Sunday league players, are never going to have the opportunity to play at a you know, step-free ground. You know, we had one at Chesant last year, midweek on a Friday night. They were National League South at the time. Decent. You know, we got all the branding in the background, Vanarama Van and all that. Um, so, yeah, like, it, and, and then the commentary just sort of finishes it off. Mm-hmm. You know, like, a, he reads out all the names beforehand, says the names when they're playing. So, yeah, it's, it, it, it's brilliant. And, like, I can't thank Barry enough because it's not many people that would find time in their schedule to chuck together a bit of a, a commentary. Mm-hmm. 25 minute highlights or whatever it is so yeah uh, Highgate Albion um, they <laughs> <laughs> what's <laughs> on okay Highgate Albion uh, won the Nationals no. so, London Cup got to the final of the Nationals got the final and they got beat by Baytees Baytees they lost to yeah, yeah. Uh, Highgate Albion now in the SFL yeah their first t- well Highgate left they had four teams in the league then the main team went to SFL. So in accordance with league rules, the other teams all had to step up. So we've still got Highgate Albion first, Highgate Albion second, Highgate Albion third, and they've got Highgate Albion SFL. But the reality is the Highgate Albion first that everyone knows and talks about, they've gone to the SFL, which shows why the current Highgate Albion first are probably not competing for top spot at the minute in our league because the, the marquee team's gone to the SFL, which I, I get. Yeah, and and actually, that's what I wanted to ask you. I mean, um, what's the future of how, you know um, Highgate right now? And and like, if you was still, I'd say part of the management structure at Highgate, what's the one thing that you would want to change? Well, look, I, I've not been a part of the club for two years, so one of the main reasons was. Uh, Basically, I just got sick and tired of people going, oh, Highgate are only winning because of John on the committee. And if anyone thinks that I wake up and put in all the hard work week in, week out, year on year, for one team to win at Sunday league level, win, whether it's the league or the Cups or whatever, they need to take a long, hard look at themselves because it, it, no one would no one would do that just for one team to win. It's a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy. So that's one of the main reasons I stepped away. Um, well, like... Um- could you see like there's a there was a bit of conflict of interest though? Mm, not really, because this like for example, I'll give you an example. John Watson, who mm. passed away last year, he was our president. He played for a team in our league in the sixties and seventies called Roving Reporters, who are still with us today. Him and the other people that went on to you know play for that league, Roving Reporters were obviously a bunch of reporters from a, I think it was the Barnet Press newspaper. We had a guy called Roger Jones, who we've also named a cup after. He went on to become our chairman. This is in the 90s and the 2000s, etc. and referee secretary. The reality is most of the volunteers from within leagues normally come from a club-affiliated background. So that's obviously why I got involved. You know, I initially got involved in a very fluffy role of social media, and then obviously I've gone on to become league secretary. But the, the thing that people don't realise is I'm just one. I'm sat around a table with four, five, six other people. So there's no opportunity for any sort of conflict because if there was an occasion where I wanted to get involved in something when I was associated to do with Highgate, 
I'd have to recuse myself because the others wouldn't let me vote even if I wanted to. And that's how it works. Those people that haven't really been around committees. Um, so, yeah, like I can understand why why people might think there's a conflict of interest. But there, I can assure you there, there wasn't. Like, um, I'll give you an example. There's a guy called, I, I spoke about him earlier, a guy called Will Pearpoint runs a team called Park Royals. They're folding at the end of the year. I got so sick and tired of, you know, the, the constant comments about me being on the committees or Highgate were winning, et cetera, et cetera. He was like their challengers at one point, Park Royals in, in, the, in the league. So I said, come join the committee. And he did. So I gave uh, him and a, I, I asked him and a couple of other people that were going for titles and cups of Highgate to join the committee. So then there was someone neutral on the inside that also had a club affiliation that if there was anything untoward, they'd raise it. And I can guarantee you now they they haven't because there wasn't. I just think it's one of them things that sort of gets out of hand a little bit. But going back to your question, listen, I'm out of the loop. I don't really, you know, I went and watched a recent Highgate national game uh, against, I think it was London. Uh, and it was just nice to be there as a neutral. You know, they're not in our, that team isn't in our league anymore. I could just turn up and watch the game. But I think um, obviously one team's in the SFL, three teams are in our league. It, who knows what the future holds for him? I mean, it's, it's, there's more teams in the league to you know that have got that are doing great things. Like you know, you got the likes of Olympia that are, you know there are only representative left in the London Cup, for example. You've got the Vets teams, which is obviously the main reason why I've, I've come here today to talk to you. You know, I think we've got, I think we're guaranteed a team in the semi-final. We've got um, got Trent Park Casuals um, and Ivy Leaf. All in, all in the, they're all playing against each other um, in in the quarters. So we're guaranteed a, a team in the semi-finals, which is fantastic to see. Um, so and obviously some of them are competing in the Surreys and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I think I think. Listen, Highgate's not my problem anymore. Uh, hasn't been for a while. It's, you know, the league's been my main focus, and the league was still my main focus when I was involved in Highgate. To be honest with you. Um, so yeah, I mean that's down to them. That sounds like a one thing I do not miss is running a team on a Sunday morning because I used to run the, the Highgate third team, um, and uh, yeah, it's just yeah, not not for, <laughs> not for me. Waking up, having to deal with you know people saying that they can't make it and all of that sort of jazz. Nah. <laughs> nah. Now I just get messages from clubs saying, "Oh, is our pitch playable?" And I'm like, "I'm not a weatherman." Go, go, go do your pitch. I love uh, that. I love that. Um, Briefly, um, what's your opinion about the um, SFL? I, f- I think I went on. Um, I went on a uh, what are they called on Twitter or X? Is it, a... um, is it a space? Yeah, space. I went on. A, I went on a space and gave my opinion on it. I, I said, look, listen. If the best teams want to get together and create a league, I'm all for it. I'm all for progressive stuff. You know, like I, like the SFL have given me a format for the vets like I replicated that so like without that and going to that playoff final at, um, at Bromley I think it was the wall excuse me the wall versus under the radar which by the way was a great game of football a very very good game of football um, I, I, I don't know what the future holds from obviously they just you know I don't really have any I don't really have a contact at the league uh, like I do with Salvin Sunday and Westford and stuff like that Um so yeah, like I mean, it's um, it's an interesting concept. I mean, for me, the lack of league games doesn't doesn't work for me personally, but it seems to work for them. They're all happy. They're all there. Um, 
some of the, some of them are doing well in nationals and county cups and stuff, which is what they essentially wanted it for. They didn't want, you know, they didn't want to have to have double headers and stuff like that because they was behind on league fixtures from what I understand. Um, some of them had done all they could do. Like take Highgate, for example, like I think they won our Prem, I think it was something like five out of the last six years or something. Yeah. You know, they won our Roger Jones Challenge Cup, which is our Challenge Cup that all teams sort of go on. They um, they won that, you know, similar sort of records, you know, I think three years on the bounce. So like when you got, when you can't, it's, it's good to go and get a challenge and um, elsewhere. And I, I, you know, speaking to the, speaking to the management from the Highgate team that went to the SFL, they basically just wanted to go there because they felt like the only credit they were getting for their what they were doing was from the Barnet League and they weren't getting it from the wider grassroots community. Mm. Um, so they went there and basically, whether it happens or not, it's you know it's nice to watch as a neutral. They, they said that they, wanna, um, they want to go and bring the trophy from south home to north. So... Good luck to him if that's what they want to do. They, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, we wasn't we wasn't massively impacted. We we had three teams still left in the league. Obviously, moved some teams up, and it, you know, from a neutral perspective, it was nice. It's it's nice. We've got Olympia that, are, you know, they've sort of ended up running away with it. But regardless, someone else was going to win the league other than Highgate, mm-hmm. and we had um, we had AFC Oakwood break that duct a couple of years ago, uh, where they beat Highgate to the league. Um, and it's nice. You don't want to see the same teams winning things. You know, as 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 a committee member, running cup finals with your colleagues. You know, we had it at a presentation evening this year. Like Highgate got up and they collected like five trophies and cups between their three to four teams. Mm. You don't want that. You want everyone to go back. Goes back to my point earlier. You want everyone to have a chance at winning something. So, so yeah. Okay. Vets. Let's talk about vets. 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 We're here for. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. <laughs> So um, you have two uh, divisions. You have a you have an east and west uh, side yep. league. Um, first and foremost, why did you decide to add a vets league? And literally, what is it that excites you about vets now that that it didn't a couple of years ago? So we had like before my time on the committee, we had a vets league from 2013 to 2017-18, I want to say. Those teams, for one reason or another, went to another league. So the Vets never really got touched again. And then I had conversations with people about starting a Vets team. We could, obviously, naturally, you have teams that are ready to go into Vets. So we've got a team called FC Trent Park. They won one of our cups a couple of years ago. Um, got to another cup final last year. And they were ready to sort of add it. They wanted to keep their first team, but they also wanted to add a a, a vets team. Um, and they've gone on and done exactly that. So we had like some of the teams that had left to go to this other league wanted to come back. You know, they were interested in, you know, probably a, a, a league that, you know, they'd heard was a bit more modern and, you know, the way we run things is a bit different to other leagues. Um, but yeah, it was, it's nice. We had AFC Muswell Hill and FC Trent Park who added a vets, a vets team this year. They've also got their first teams in Div 3 and Div 1. But they sort of expanded into that. And uh, yeah, like just from conversations from there and then, so we got the Eastern Division up and running. I think it was, you know, it's, it's, it got going with eight teams in the end. We had 10, but two dropped out, which always happens. Um, and then um, I, got a, I, got, I, got, I was contacted by a guy called Blue Charles 
uh, from Shibu Stars, and he basically said, "Our Vets League's folded. Would you like? Would you let us? Would, would you be interested in setting up like a West London sort of?" vets division I suppose and I said yeah no problem so we got going with five teams to begin with and then over the course of the season we've had other teams approach to join and how they've caught up now is through double headers because um, naturally at the, and the, at the, like given the the concept of um, the playoffs it's a lot more for people to play for. like say if, even if you can see someone's already won the league all you've got to do is qualify for the playoffs and technically you're in for winning the biggest trophy it's nice winning a, a, the league, um, and it's gonna. It's like I said, it's gonna be run exactly like the NBA or the you know the NFL or whatever. In the sense that you have the Western teams on one side, the Eastern teams on one side, and the best from both will meet in the middle. So that's how it sort of all sort of came around. I think people sort of bought into the concept. You know, people wanted more games. People some didn't. You know, so we let some teams opt out of doing the cups. Mm. Um, some teams just wanted league games. So one team said, "Oh, we want to play every other week." we want to have a week off, play two weeks, have a week off. And the caveat to that was, well, obviously if your game gets postponed, then the third week you're going to have to play. No problem. And I think it's just about being a bit more flexible. Like I looked before I came here, like we've got like 800 players, you know, vets, vets appropriate signed to play across our two divisions. And that's a, that's a massive, you know, I'm, I'm 30 now, so I'm a few years away from vets, but it's a massive thing for people to be able to go out with their mates, play football, you know, a lot of a lot of the clubs have like um, clubhouses and stuff like that. So you you know, a bit of food put on, drinks and stuff. It's a completely different vibe. You know, it's one team in our league, London Lions. They actually just want to play football, just want to play football with their mates. Um, and like I said, like it's, it's competitive. We've got four teams in 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 the in the vets um, in in the Middlesex vets quarters. So FC Trent Park Vets for their first year, quarterfinals is decent, West London Casuals, Ivy Leaf, and I think London Lions. So and then obviously we've got Shibu that have got quite far in the um in the London. Um so yeah, it's it, it, it's 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 nice. It's nice to see that provision coming through. You know, vets is certainly one you know, it was it's a lot of hard work because it's you know different to you know the established league, I suppose. But hopefully it'll get to a point where it just sort of runs itself and it ticks yeah. over. Uh, are you um, looking for more teams, more divisions? What's the? I think I think I, I think I'd like to keep it Eastern and Western. Personally, if it was down to me, obviously, it's, like I say, it's a committee decision. Um, I like the format we've got of playoffs. Um, I think um, I think that works quite well. Um, and yeah, like listen, like it's it's it's. it's we're always open to taking on new teams. If anyone wants to apply to join, um, then contact us on Instagram, normally in the DMs or on the website, there's an application form. But yeah, we're always open to taking on new teams. I mean, um, we was messed around a little bit by a few Vets teams that they were joining and they weren't. And that happens a lot. But I think when you're starting saying off, people fear the unknown a little bit. So one thing we did with, um, excuse me, the Eastern Division teams, so we took them all out to dinner, like the, the the manager, secretary of all teams, the league laid on a spread. We had a good chat around the table. Everyone aired out there, you know, what they, what they expected from the league, what they wanted it to be. And most of them will say that we've delivered. And I, I think going back to that customer experience piece that I spoke about earlier with you, that's key. All, all people want is to be heard, you know, even if you don't do what they say straight away or are straight away, at least, you, at least you're open to engaging. And then the Western, for example, they wanted a stipulation that you could have a, 
a couple of over 30s in the squad because their squads are a bit light. So they're allowed, I think it's three over 30s in the matchday squads. Um, the Eastern Division, the goalkeeper can be 30, mm. for example. So, you know, I think, I think it was just... I think it was just game of what people wanted. Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I think in a nutshell, that's that's mainly it. Mm. So, um, do you think so? You know, having like that that rule of having an over thirty, mm. there's going to be probably some teams that may want to enter the London Vets Cup. Yeah, that's going to be an issue, right, for like those teams? No, because I think that they have all entered them, so I think they know that there's got to be thirty fives when they enter. Okay, them. so I think within the league you know, the confines of the league that there's that flexibility with that. But when you do an external cup, you've got to abide by their mm. competition rules. So for example, obviously there's three thirties allowed in the, in the over thirties in the Western, right? But there's only one allowed in the Eastern. When they meet in the cup, it's only one thirty. So the Eastern sort of takes not priority, but it, it makes more yeah, sense makes, to go with the, yeah. the lower amount. And everyone was happy with that. We, but that was laid out at the first meeting with the Eastern teams. you got to remember, obviously, the West, the Western was an added bonus to provide football to, to a demographic that wanted it. But the Eastern were our bread and butter. They're like, you know, some of them were, were with us when we did the Vets before. They left because they weren't happy. Um, but hopefully we've, we've proved this year, you know, we've been on track with fixtures. I think a lot of the complaints was, oh, like, some leagues will just allow you to postpone a game if you ain't got enough players. Mm. You know, whereas we've been like, no, you've got to play. You know, if you need a week off, request it, or we can work with you. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, and I, I, I think that's key. Uh, transparency is, you know, like a, we've got a club admin WhatsApp group with all ninety-one teams in it, managers, secretaries, whatever. And every now and then, I'll put out a poll, like, do you want your game film this week? Do you, what do you think we should do for next year? Send me some rule change proposals, and everything's on the table. Then you've you've Rather than waiting all year, you get to an AGM and then everyone puts their hands up and complains about what they're not happy with. You're 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 an open book. If you've got something you want to ask, you can. Um, and I think that helps because you can you can make ad hoc decisions as the season rolls that you can identify a problem or an issue and fix it. Mm. And then the teams are happy. So yeah. Why like, do you think there's a stigma of of vets football and and actually what? What are you doing? And actually what? And also, what can I do and other people do to actually break down that stigma? Oh, good question. I think um, obviously we film games, so we filmed a few vets games, and I think people have seen, ah, you know, that's it's actually some decent football being played. Or, you know, we had one team; they've got they've got like a connection to Ian Wright. He was down at one of their games, West London Casuals, not long ago. Like a the captain or the manager had a photo with him, you know. Um, I think Vets football is a lot more popular than people think it is, but I think it's not advertised enough. Like, I know leagues that have tried to get Vets divisions off the ground and they just haven't been able to do it. Um, so for us to do two in one, two divisions in one season was was incredible. It was a lot of hard work. Um, but yeah, stigma-wise, I, I don't think it's necessarily like from the pub that just wants to go around two-footing people and breaking legs anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, like probably had that stigma attached to it. Now there's, like, I went and watched the game, uh, two of our top teams in the Eastern Division, uh, London Lions and uh, Continental 58 Vets. And it was a good game of football. Like, a very good thing. And, and the other thing, again, everything links in, we don't put, you know, we don't put the, 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 the elderly refs on the games. Okay. 
we put decent refs on the games you know like because we try and spread the spread the load you know and i think that's that's a massive i think a lot of the complaints was that they you know you're basically getting a referee that's turning up and standing in the center circle in some vets games because it's not held with the same um it's not taken as seriously maybe as the open age stuff but that's we've knocked that on the head we've put like some of our younger refs um on the games so that or newer refs newer qualified refs because you know they'll keep up with play they'll get from box to box and i think that's been a, a real big big thing for us mm. you know identifying that you put good refs on good games or, or refs that will or at least make an effort then the the, na- na- the nature of the game is it will flow um so yeah i mean st- stigma wise i'm you know, I've got we, I've, we've had a few people this year going. Oh, I can't wait for vets. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I, th- I think that's the mindset we need to get into now. That it's a bit like the um, the um, the pathway from youth to adult doesn't really doesn't really exist as well as it could do by creating that pathway of open age to vets once you reach a certain age. And listen, obviously, the Eastern voted on only having one thirty and it being the goalkeeper, but for the Western, that's brilliant because. Like, we're, we all went to school, right? You know, like um, there's when you're in year eight or whatever, you had mates that are in year ten and year eleven. At the end of the day, some of your friends are playing vets. You want to go and play with them, so it opens that door of you know participation and inclusion and all of that jazz that allows people to play with their friends ultimately within a within the confines of the rules. Mm. You know, um, I don't think there's much marginal difference between your body at thirty and your body at thirty five. If I'm on with you, someone just made the decision that thirty five was a vet's age. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I think I think just sort of adapting and being willing to look at options mm. um, helps. And it's kind of really important for like men, you know, at 30, 35 to be still active as well. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I'm finding it. Like I'm, I lost, I lost like a load of weight in lockdown. Like really getting fit and you know trim and all of that. And you know, like I've I've made the, a conscious effort recently to to want to. Um, to want to get, get back to some sort of, especially now that I'm injured, I'm I'm playing five and six aside, but I don't envision that I'll be able to play an eleven aside game again, but just purely because it's it, your legs more likely to go playing on grass pitches and stuff like that. Um, but I've noticed that it's more difficult to shift the weight, you know, and it's nothing better than crossing them lines. Even like I find on a five aside, you know, like I've 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 um, I've signed up to um, a scheme called Man v Fat, mm-hmm. and which I play on a Friday night, and it's all about weight loss and you know, go and play that every Friday. They weigh you beforehand, and it's a really good initiative. I'd recommend anyone going and having a look at that in their like their local club. Um, that's helped me shift up five, six kilos since October, mm. which is not not the biggest amount, but it's, it's you know certainly yeah. it's certainly lighten the load. And I think there's the the mental health benefits that we've spoken about already. That you know, like after a long tough day at work and then week at work, sorry, and then. You're going to, you know, soft plays and stuff on a Saturday for your kid's birthday party. All anyone still wants to hang on to is that Sunday morning, you know, because I think a lot of people I speak to, you asked me about my thoughts about Saturday football earlier and I don't really have an insight because I've never really been involved with it, but the three o'clock kickoffs kill you, you know. So Sunday mornings, 10.30, you know, go and play football with your mates, you know, win, lose or draw, go home, have a drink and watch the football after, whatever. I think it's massive. I think it's hugely understated the the importance of participating in a team sport, you know, and being in that changing room and having that rapport and that banter with your mates. Um, I think it's massive. I think it's it's definitely something that's overlooked. Yeah. And and you kind of spoke um, 
openly and literally thank you for doing that regarding your own journey regarding um um your kind of mental and physical health um what's what's kind of been the like the most important element for you to actually get through whatever difficult time you was getting through at that particular moment do you know what i'll be honest with you the league like I, I i i remember during covid i was working on like a, a manor house estate up in hatfield um and just doing like gardening weeding etc etc and i remember like the conversations about ppg and whether or not we were going to finish cups and stuff like that and checking in i the league kept me busy it's it it saved me during covid like because like everyone i was lucky i was working outdoors i managed to secure a job you know working not everyone was so fortunate but um it's been one and then and then obviously when i like you know suffered with like some some of my own personal mental health problems probably a couple of years ago now obviously first and foremost like my my kids got me through it you know like that was the that was always the light at the end of the tunnel having a supportive partner helped too um but the the league like i i 2019 february i joined the league january 2020 i became the league secretary so you gotta imagine like i'm at this i'm 31 now so at that stage i was 27 youngest league secretary in london largest league one of the largest leagues in london and you're about to lead a lead an organization for a global pandemic but i think i just i kept it simple i checked in with clubs and they'd be like i've not heard from anyone else because the people dealt with it in their own ways, but I just threw myself into the league. And, you know, if you ever look at the YouTube channel of the league, it was created in, I think, May 2020, because I had all these ideas going on of, of what I wanted to do with the committee and the league and push them across. And um, the league's the league's been massive. Listen, it's, 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 it's a pain at times. It takes up a lot of time. There's a lot of unappreciation. There's a lot of ridiculous comments out there, you know, um, and you get, you get an element of negativity from that that does impact you. People going out there saying, oh, teams are only winning because of you as an individual. And I'm like, mm, that's not the case. Have you ever thought that maybe you just wasn't good enough to win the league? Uh, that's, 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 that's the fact. But the league has certainly helped me through the, the good, the bad and the ugly. No, no doubt about it. And I think everyone, you know, anyone listening that's thinking, oh, like... To be involved in a league or a club or a team, you don't have to be what I do. You don't have to be the main point of contact for all teams or fixture secretary or referee secretary. From a team perspective, I can guarantee you now, the club secretary or the team manager would just be happy with someone that collected the money in or someone that just put the nets up or someone, you know, that, that helped them, like, give, like send the nudge, or oh, come on, lads, confirm whether or not you're available this week. Because all them little things, they help and they lighten the load. And I, I, I promise you, it's one of the most rewarding things in the world to be involved with grassroots football. Obviously, I've played, I've managed, I've been a secretary of my own team that folded, I've been a league secretary, I've sort of gone, gone through the motions of it all. Um, and yeah, like I, I definitely think from a mental health perspective, it's always been like, you can always find solace when you cross them them white lines or I don't cross them anymore, but sat behind a keyboard doing some <laughs> keyboard warrior. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of them out there. Like, you know, like there's, there's someone, there's someone on Twitter that will say, Oh yeah. Highgate, for example, they're, they're only doing well because they've got John Eager on the board, but it's, I'm like, I've not been a part of the club for two years. 
And like I just said, have you, have you ever thought that maybe you didn't win just because you weren't good enough? Because I can promise you now, the referee turned up and just refereed. <laughs> and some of the ones that make the comments, they're like, you know, they've they, they've had a penalty and missed it. And I'm like, speaks volumes, you know. If you, <laughs> you want to use me as a scapegoat, carry on, crack on. But at the end of the day, I think people need to take a long, hard look at themselves. Because some of the stuff that's said on socials is absolute nonsense. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't read it before and it hasn't, I've, hasn't, I've not been fuming because I've been, but I think that comes with comes with a gig a little bit, you know. When you're a league secretary of a league as big as ours, um, you got to learn to take things on the chin. Yeah, I would love to um, for you to give me one big or controversial statement about vets football, about vets football. Uh, I think in what sense? In, in what sense? The floor is up to you. I mean, you know, like it could be a good thing. It could be something, you know, it could be thought-provoking. It could be something that you've learned that other people may not have known about. But yeah, I, I want something big. I'm, I mean, I mean, it was like, obviously it was, it's certainly, especially with like the Western division teams that we've got. Um, they don't really know me. I don't really know them. I sort of, I sort of did it to just give some, give a group of people a home for, for playing football basically and the truth is and I've, I've said this to them before like the season would have been 10 times easier without the western division <laughs> yeah, like if i'm honest uh, and I've, I've said it to them openly in like the whatsapp group before like because the eastern division teams where they've had um where they've had teams that have been in our league before, they understand the structure, they understand the policies, they understand the procedures. Got one team in the Western Division that just seems to think that we're all about making money, but it, in reality, is all we ask for is basic admin. So we we got rid of team sheets a few years ago. All you have to we you create a WhatsApp group, add the ref, add the opposition. Fifteen minutes before kickoff, you send in your sixteen. So like you would do a team sheet with numbers. That's it. That's your team sheet essentially and if you don't do that you get fined mm. and if you don't go on full time afterwards and upload it and do your refs marks and who scored goals etc etc you get fined and rightfully so if you're not following the admin but I think some of them struggled to come to grips with that I think you know it doesn't matter how much you simplify things for teams they're still going to find something to moan about and I think I've had a lot of that from the Western Division teams throughout the season but I think now we're at the sort of uh, obviously there's seven teams in there because uh, we had one fold we're at almost the end game of the season a little bit where they're nearly we nearly know who's in the playoffs it's getting to the exciting end people are you know having really good conversations with some of them um so on that take I, I, if you're a vets team in general not just the, the the vets western division teams in our league i would just be a bit more appreciative of the committee and the hard work that goes into it mm. um like for example the western division it's, it's a west it's predominantly west london teams that we've you know if they play at Brunel, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's hot. Like we don't have a referee pool over there. So we're putting in harder work to find referees and pitches. But I do think, you know, at the end of the day, as long as there's an opportunity to provide grassroots football for anyone, I'm all for it. I will not turn it. I will not turn it down. So like I said, we've, we're in a position now where if we get through this season, there's someone that's potentially going to take it on and sort of it'll, it'll run in the league, but it'll have its own dedicated committee member. And it's it's a lot of trial and error. And again, there's some brilliant, brilliant football being played in that league. Like I said, some of that two are in Middlesex uh, quarterfinals. Shibu obviously in um, in the um, in the London Cup still. 
So yeah, it's it, it, that that'd be my controversial take on vets football, I suppose. Like the just have a bit of appreciation and understanding, like because I want to grow it. Like yeah. I, you, you asked me earlier, would you take on more teams? Well, we're on we're on seven now. I'd like to get to ten, you know. And you have your traditional eight in game season, um, and I'm all for teams entering as many cups as they want. They want to, you know, teams want to just play football. That's, I'm all for that. Like I said, I care more about the cups than anything. Um, so yeah, like we like I said, we've had a few teams join mid season, which has been great, which has boosted the numbers up. Um, which which means that the division's in for in for a good finish, mm. um, and a lot of hard work goes into it. Like Blue, the guy that initially approached me, he basically gets on top of it as much as possible. But mm. I think I think yeah, there's there's definitely an element of you know at times it's felt like a, a bit of unappreciation. Mm. But I feel, like I said, we're, we're getting there now. There's some real good people, real good people, real good teams that, um, like I said, they just want to play football mm. you know, in a controlled environment. You know, just obviously they're not used to having things done the way we do, I suppose. So, so um, going on to, of course, the East and the West, do you think that the Barnet League, as in like the Vets West, yeah, is treading on toes regarding another Vets League in West? No, not all. So, uh, obviously, um, leagues are based where they're based. So, obviously... Continental 58 and London Turkish Masters Vets are both North London teams. I think they left another league to join our Eastern Division because it was closer to them. Now, obviously, there's a reason that the five teams came to us to start a league rather than joining an existing league in the first place. And then there's another reason why teams wanted to join us mid-season and be a part of a new league. I will not say no. Look, listen, there's teams in our league that play in another league and they play in our league. So people that want to play football can play football. I'm not, I'm, I will never stand in the way of that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I hate anti-football behaviour. We've all had them teams that will be like, um, let's, uh, I don't know, the, the grass pitch gets called off at 10.30. I can get a Astro at 11. I don't want to play on Astro. So the game gets postponed and it rolls on, it rolls on. We've all had that experience before in football. I'm, I'm down for as long as football can be played, it should be played. Um, and like I said, there's there's a reason why the five teams from the league that folded approached the Barnet League to join us, and then a reason why the additional two or three teams joined. Uh, you know, every, everyone's entitled to run their own league. Like I said earlier, there's four North London leagues. You could argue that we're all treading on each other's toes, but we're not because we've all got our own niches. You know, the Maccabi League does what it does, the Turkish League does what it does, the Edmonton League does what it does, and we do what we do. And it's similar to the um, similar to what we do, you know, the, the Barnet League with the vets. Well, all, all all I was interested in was adding an, a provision for people that wanted to play football. So that's what we've done, yeah. you know. And why should teams join the Barnet League? And what are your contact details? Uh, I won't give up my personal details <laughs> because uh, I've made that mistake already, and <laughs> most of the teams have got my mobile number. Um, Look, listen, why you should join us, we film games, match highlights, you know, you've, you've sort of covered that. Uh, we're modern, we're approachable. A lot of the stuff's done on WhatsApp. We only really email if it needs to be formal. Um, a lot of communication goes out in a club admin group, which is easy for people to check. Um, but I'd say the filming of games is a massive highlight. Ilias has done a great job over the last few years of building that up. Um, you know, even like some neutrals, we had the um, North London Athletic versus SE Don's game films 
like a lot of people that watch the Dons were like, oh, like they're using their government name sort of thing. Like, <laughs> some of the comments on there were quite funny. Like, so it's just a different niche, a different aspect of what people, um, of what people want. Um, most teams will end up getting filmed, you know, across the season, which is great. Um, yeah, just like a, a, you know, it's not very admin heavy um, compared to some some other leagues, but. Every league's got their own niche. Every league's got a way they run things. Um, obviously, you know if you're a vets if you're a vets team that what, like is West London based that's interested, then feel free to you know um, you can email me at secretary at barnetsundayleague.co.uk or you know drop us a message on any of the socials. There's a submission form on the website as well. Um, obviously, if you're an Eastern Division vets team or Open Age team, then get in touch as well. You know, I'm. I, I'm open to growing the league as, you know, I'd, I'd be open to doing, you know, development, development cups for under 18s, you know, if we or women's cups, et cetera, et cetera. Like if, if we've got the capacity to do it in the interest, it's something that we'll do it. I think, it, you know, as a, as one of the largest leagues in London, I think we're the second largest Sunday league, um, behind Salvin Sunday and in front of West Far. Um, we've got a responsibility locally. Like I want to, I want to, talking to the committee at the minute about doing some bursary stuff where sixth form students will pay for their referee courses or, you know, some of the local schools will, um, will, will like buy them a kit and some bibs and some equipment that they need and stuff like that. Because, you know, like I think you've got to do your piece for the community and that's how it all ties in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anyone interested in getting involved in the league, like we're looking for volunteers too. If you want to join the committee, get in touch. Um, any more hard-hitting questions from you? No, listen, I mean, again, um, I just want to say that all of your details will be in the description as well. So, right, okay. you know, um, again, anyone that's kind of looking look, looking to join. I just want to say um, that the Barnet Sunday League, if you're anything I, and again, this is literally what I love about what you do, blue and gold or, you know, that kind of <laughs> logo. Like, every time I see it, like, I know what it's about. And, you know, if I can look at something without even reading it, that's when I know someone's doing a good yeah. job. Yeah, I think there was a thing a few years ago. The um, like it was like a Harry Potter poster, and it was like the end is near, but it didn't have anything to do with Harry Potter. But everyone just knew what it was mm. because of the the significance of the brand. But I've got to give a guy called um, Sohill Tavern a massive shout out, and my predecessor Alex Clayton. They worked on the rebrand prior to me joining the committee. And I was involved in it as I joined, but the website, the branding, as down to, for Sohill designed it all. Alex was very much the figurehead behind it, the website, etc. And he did a smashing job. We we pulled like stuff from the historic Barnet League and logo and stuff like that. But it is one like I'm I'm not wearing it today, but we've got a navy uniform, um, like league uniform, like jackets and tracksuits and stuff for like cup final days, and it just. It just looks crisp. It looks really professional. Mm. And I think that's another, I think, you know, you asked why join the Barnet League. I think that's another thing we are. We're very professional in what we do. We The main cup we do live, so it's fully transparent. The divisional, obviously we run so many cups, we can't do them all live. But um, just little things like that. We go above and beyond to create, I say this a lot, a memorable experience for our clubs. Um, but look, listen, I... I I've, I've always said this to people. I'm here for as long as the clubs want me. At the end of the day, I'm a, a custodian. Someone thinks they can come along and do a better job, then they're more than welcome to 
you know, have a crack at it. But I think for now, most of the clubs are happy. I'm sort of, you know, content with where I am. We've, we've built a real good committee in the last couple of years. We've got some real good teams as well. You know, the teams make the league what it is. And I think, I think especially at, you know, maybe FA county level, that gets forgotten sometimes. The, the, the teams are what make the league what it is. Um, and then without, without the teams, there is no grassroots. So like a massive thank you to all the teams in the Barnet League that, you know, past and present that, you know, continue to make it one of what I hope is one of the best in the country, if not if not one of the best in London, at least at what we do. Um, because without them, it wouldn't be possible. John, I just want to say thank you so much for like, coming on. Uh, you are a you are a trailblazer. <laughs> you are a disruptor. And um, again, you know, um, we've been meaning to have this conversation for like months. And again, thank you for like, you know, traveling down. One thing I want to say as well, um, you actually did text me and say, oh, so what should I wear? And I said, smart casual. <laughs> you like, come in shorts. I, and, hey, listen, so hey, I, 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 I turned up to the AGM last year in like our, our uniform, which was a quarter zip and shorts. <laughs> um, but I wear shorts all year round. But, um, but yeah, listen, obviously, um, no, thanks for having me. Obviously, it was a bit of a trek from yeah. where I live, which is Crawley. So for those of you that are listening, I don't actually live in North London anymore. <laughs> I, I run the league sort of remotely and rely on people that are a bit more local to do more of underground stuff. So um, since since COVID, I've basically travelled down to do anything to do with the league, whether that's cup finals, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, got a nice little hour and a half journey back. My, might grab myself a, a McDonald's on the way home <laughs> to, to Brees's buy-in. Um, but no, listen, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Like I said, um, you and a select few others in this sort of, you know, niche market of grassroots sort of shining the light on it um, are one of the few people that I would, you know, feel comfortable having a conversation without it being cropped together for, for a bit of clickbait. Um, but look, listen, I'm, I'm really excited for you know, the, the business end of the season, you know, see who wins the leagues. We've got a couple of leagues that are potentially going to be wrapped up in the next couple of weeks, you know, because we've been so ahead on the fixtures because we've been proactive with moving games if they've been off and whatever. The cup finals, obviously, I can't wait for. I can't wait to see how our team's doing the county cups. We've got loads still in action in them. The vets, I can't wait to see how the first ever playoff um, sort of ends. Um, so, yeah, like you have to get yourself down to yeah, a game. And, uh, yeah, look, listen, anyone that's got any questions about the Barnet Sunday League, I'm, I mean, I'm personally on LinkedIn. If like, if there's anyone out there that would be interested in, you know, sponsoring one of the competitions or getting involved with the league, then reach out. I'm on there. Um, but, yeah, it's been a great conversation, mate. Yeah. Um, I, I got warned beforehand to, to behave myself. <laughs> so I, 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 hopefully I've done exactly you know, that. You know what you've done... You did absolutely fine. And, <laughs> and again, like one thing that I want to say, keep being a disruptor. In, in a positive way. In a positive yeah. way. <laughs> I wasn't sure it was positive. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please like, subscribe, and I'll see everyone next week. <laughs>